Amen. There we are. There we are. Well, good morning. I cannot tell you what an honor it is to stand here this morning with you guys. Before I get started, I would like to honor Lindsay and our two girls who are with us now. Can y'all stand up? Lindsay and our two girls, our two boys, they'll be coming in the second service. But everything that we're, we're able to do in Iraq as a family comes from this pillar right here, Lindsay. She is an incredible woman who has found her voice in such a difficult place. She is light in darkness to women. So darling, I honor you and, and the wife and the mother that you are and the servant that you are to those people over in Iraq. And I do want to honor the, the house this morning. You know, Lindsay and I, we've been to many places. The Lord has took us around the world. But I got to tell you, it all started right here in this room. Eleven years ago, Lindsay and I surrendering our life to Jesus and serving faithfully in this church and, and asking questions about Scripture. Who is God? What is this all about? What is God's purpose for my life? And it was the leadership and the brothers and sisters in this house that helped lay a foundation. So whatever God accomplishes through our family is attributed to this church. And any fruit that we bear with our lives is attributed to this house. I've waited 11 years to say thank you. And I know Michael's not here, but he can watch the video. (laughs) For those of you that don't know, we live in Iraq. We've been there for three and a half years and Man, I would love to share with you what it's like living as a Christian in a Muslim nation like Iraq and the incredible things that we get to do. But I believe God has given me a specific word for the house this morning. So if you'd like to find out more about what we do, you can sign up for our newsletter and we'll do our best to explain it that way. I believe the information is in the bulletin. If you'd like to stand with us in prayer and financial support, you can do that through our website, blah, blah, blah. God has a word for us this morning. If y'all will turn to Galatians chapter 4. Now while you turn to Galatians chapter 4, I want to quote to you something from Hebrews chapter 3. The writer of Hebrews, he says that Moses was faithful in the house of God as a servant. But Christ was faithful in his house as a son. Moses was faithful as a servant, but Christ was faithful as a son. And I believe this morning God wants some of us to inherit our identity as sons and daughters. Many of us today are more comfortable living as servants. But friends, let me tell you, God is building a family. God is family. And he's demonstrating himself through his family, not servants. You see, a servant has a master, but a son has a father. A servant works, but a son rests. A servant earns, but a son inherits. A servant at best 
is appreciated, but a son is loved. Church, I have good news for you. If you believe that the death of Jesus paid the price for your sins and your eternal hope is in his sacrifice, then you are a son. You are a daughter. You are not a servant. For reasons that we'll discuss in a minute, many of us have confused our assignment with our identity. Now that you are a son, yes, you serve. You serve God. You serve those around you. But your identity is a son of God, a daughter of God. What we do should flow out of who we are. And what we do is possible because of who we are. For example, Jesus is the son of God. And because he is the beloved son, he serves. He washes feet. He touches lepers. He died for our sins. What he does is possible because of who he is. What we do flows out of who we are. And what we do is possible because of who we are. Think about it for a second. What impact does it have when a servant washes feet? What impact does it have when a servant does what a servant is supposed to do? But what impact did it have when the Son of God washed feet? What you do in the kingdom has power and authority because of who you are. A son of God. A daughter of God. Filled with his spirit. Reflecting who he is to the world around you and to the principalities of the air. But if your identity is that of a servant, if that's how you primarily see yourself, a servant earning a wage, then friend, you are not walking in the inheritance that Jesus died to give you. Galatians 4. I'm reading from the New King James Version. We'll begin in verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, though he is a master of all. But he's under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. And praise God, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but you are a son. And if you are a son, you are an heir of God through Christ. Praise God. Paul tells us in verse 5 that Jesus died for two reasons. And these two reasons are progressive, meaning first this, and then because of this, that. Verse 5, Jesus died to first redeem us from our sin. This is salvation. And second, To adopt the redeemed into the family of God. This is union. Jesus died to give us life. 
And Jesus died to unite us with him. It's interesting that Paul gives two reasons for God sending his son to die for us. See, because if you go back to the very beginning in Genesis, when man sinned, there were two consequences to that sin. If you eat of this fruit, you will surely die, death. And now that you have eaten of the fruit, you must leave my presence, separation, death and separation. Friends, the cross redeems both. If eternal life is all that the cross has accomplished for you, then you are only receiving half of what Jesus died to give you. Now look, if eternal life was all that God ever gave us, it would be more than we deserved. It would be more than enough. But the good news is he has given us so much more. It wasn't just life that he wanted to give us. It was himself. It was restoring us back to him. Union. Church, you weren't created to be forgiven. You were created to be with God. You weren't created to be saved. You were saved so that you could be with God. Jesus didn't come to be your get out of hell free card. He came to reveal God, to demonstrate his kingdom, and then bring us into the enjoyment of both forever. And that begins now. It doesn't begin some far off day when the trumpet blasts. It begins now. There are two types of people in this world. Sons and orphans. Those who have been adopted and those who are still separated from the Father. The sad reality is there are many in the church that live with an orphan spirit. Rather than seeing God as a loving Father who spared no expense to bring you into his family, the orphan spirit sees God as a judge who was forced to pour his wrath out on Jesus so that we could be saved. The orphan spirit sees salvation as a contractual obligation rather than the ultimate demonstration of the Father's love. The orphan spirit lives in fear that one day the master's judgment and wrath will come find him out. And he'll be found to not have done enough to please the master. The orphan spirit more identifies with Judas at the end of the table, afraid that he's going to be found out to have pilfered through the money box. Instead of John, the one whom Jesus loved, leaning against the chest of Jesus. The orphan spirit sees this display of familiarity and intimacy between John and Jesus, and he's offended at it. The orphan spirit allows us to come no further than simply, I am a sinner saved by grace. The orphan spirit excuses the distance between God and man and says, I'm not worthy. It is a false humility that the orphan spirit parades around to those around him. 
I am simply a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. You are a son. You are a daughter. The Father spared no expense to call you that. And that false humility of the orphan spirit is offensive to the cross. It insults the cross. Jesus didn't die so that you could sulk underneath an orphan spirit. He died so that you could be with him. Do you know why you were created? Close your eyes for a minute. I know it's uncomfortable and it's weird, but bear with me. Just close your eyes. Do you know why you were created? Say these words. Father, I love you. That is why you were created. To lean in close to him and give back to him the very thing that he first gave to you. Love. Salvation makes all of that possible. Salvation restores you back to the place where you can lean into him and say, Father, Abba, I love you. And then he pours out more love on you and it uncorks more love for him and you and on and on and on. And it's an eternal exchange of love. This is why we are here, friends. All of the other reasons flow out from that place of Father, Abba, I love you. Now look back at Galatians 4, verse 6. Paul writes something very interesting. He says, because you are sons, because you have been forgiven, and because you are adopted into the family, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts by which you cry out, Abba. How do we know that we are a son? How do we know that we are a daughter? By allowing his spirit in us to cry out. The spiritual mystery of adoption is expressed by a spiritual people now possessed by God's spirit. Animated by his spirit and not our flesh. More controlled by his spirit instead of our mind. Look, if the Holy Spirit is just a weird uncle to you, and you hope he doesn't come out and get crazy, Rather than the dominating force animating your life, then friend, you don't understand adoption. We are created in his image, Genesis 1.26. Let us make man in our image. That doesn't mean that we look like God. That doesn't mean that God looks like me. Everyone says, praise God. It means that you have the capacity to be filled with God. God is spirit. He created us with the capacity To be filled with him as spiritual beings. This is what the cross accomplishes. You are not just a sinner saved by grace. You are a child of God with an inheritance. And that inheritance is many things and this book contains them. But above all of the things, our inheritance is him. He is our inheritance. 
Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. This life that I now live, it's not mine. It's him in me. Hear the words of Jesus in John chapter 14. I will ask the Father, and he will give you the helper, and he will be with you forever. And you know him, and he will dwell with you and be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Come on, somebody. Jesus said, I know there's an orphan spirit that wants to swallow you up, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you my very spirit. This is how serious God is about adoption. He gave you his spirit. Not as a silent dove resting on your shoulder, but as a flame of fire burning inside of you. An active force in your life. God is in you. He is your inheritance as a child of God. Please don't despise his gift. Please don't minimize the grandeur of what God has done when he placed his spirit inside of you. This is how serious he is about adoption. Do you see why adoption is so powerful? Do you see why the enemy hates for God's people to catch the revelation of adoption? Adoption is everything in the kingdom. It's interesting that a demonic religion like Islam denies outright adoption. Adoption doesn't exist in Islam. Sure, a family can care for an orphan, but that orphan is never taking on the family name. That orphan will never have an inheritance from the family. That orphan will never be able to say the words, Father, The Quran even teaches God is not a father and he does not have a son. The enemy hates family. And the enemy will settle for you being a servant all day long. Because the enemy knows that is the gateway to religion. Religion. Man's attempt to satisfy the master with his activity and his good deeds. And religion is exactly what Peter had to get set free of before he was of any use in the kingdom. Listen to this. In Matthew chapter 16, Peter, he's riding high because he's correctly answered the question from Jesus. Who do you say that I am? Peter responds, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter is riding high from this correct answer. Jesus then reveals to Peter and his disciples the Father's plan of the cross, that Jesus would suffer many things and die. Peter, full of religion, takes Jesus aside, rebukes him, and says, Jesus, let me show you how devout I am. I will die before that happens to you, Jesus. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. I recognize that orphan spirit in you trying to impress me with your activity. It was only shortly after that that Peter and his resolve was exposed by a little servant girl. He denied Jesus three times. Peter did not understand the ways of God. This is what Jesus told Peter. 
You're, you're setting your mind on things of man, not on the things of God. You don't understand the Father. You're a servant. You're acting like an orphan. You don't understand the Father. If we don't understand his ways, we will be offended when he acts like himself. Peter was offended that the father would ask the son to do such a thing. Then in the next chapter, Matthew 17, Jesus takes Peter up the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus is illuminated with tangible glory. And what does Peter say? This is amazing. I'm going to build a temple. Let me show you how devout I am. The father's here. Moses and Elijah are here. I'm going to display some serious religion. I'm going to build a monument. This is what a servant looks like. Never at rest. Always striving and trying to earn a wage from the master. This is what religion looks like. Man spastically attempting to please God with monuments and activity. Friend, you are a son. You are a daughter. Jesus restored Peter back to a place of proper identity. And how did he do that? John 21. Jesus invites Peter to the shore where he's cooked him a breakfast. In the place of intimacy and fellowship, Jesus restores Peter. He brings him down from the pedestal of religion and performance and breaks bread with him. Union. And then he asks him a question. Peter, do you love me? Of course I love you. Peter, do you love me? I love you. Peter, do you love me? Jesus was reinforcing the place of Peter's identity. Love, intimacy, union. Friends, God wants to meet with you in the same way. He wants to have daily communion and fellowship with you. He has restored the garden for you. The cross restored everything. He wants to meet with you. The only problem is he will only meet with the real you. Not the you that you are pretending to be. And he says that you are a son and he will not meet with a servant the worship team could come back up please all of creation is longing for the day when the children of God are revealed in Revelation John sees an incredible vision he heard in this vision the cry of every creature in heaven Every creature on earth, every creature under earth, and every creature in the sea singing out. Blessing and honor and glory and power to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever. John heard creation worshiping the lamb. John heard the sound of fish worshiping God. Do you know what all of creation is longing for? You and I stepping into the identity of sonship. Of seeing ourselves as children with an inheritance. 
Now, as awesome as it is, is fish singing. That's not what this thing is about. It's not just creation that is longing for the day. Muslims are longing for the day. Your neighbor is longing for the day. Your lost family members are longing for the day when sons and daughters of God are revealed as they are. If y'all would stand with me, I want to pray for you. And I believe that some of you need to respond to this this morning. I don't want to just say something pretty and stream some sentences together. Come on, man. Let's respond to God. Let's crush the lie that says we have to earn something first. He's done it all. He has paid everything so that you could be saved and be with him. He is in you and he wants out. I'm going to be honest with you. Some of us need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. You've strived and you've tried for too long on your own. Say, man, I, I, I just can't pray. I want to pray more. I, I need to read my Bible more. I, I need to be associating myself with other believers, but they just annoy me. I need to tell people about Jesus. I, I want to be a better spouse that represents Christ, but I can't. I want to be a better parent. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need comfort. He's the comforter. You need wisdom. He's the counselor. You need truth. He's the spirit of truth. You want to be more like Jesus and less like you? He reveals Jesus to you. This is all in the Bible, I assure you. You have a sin that you just cannot get victory over. The Holy Spirit will be the fire inside of you that burns away all of those nasty things. You want boldness and courage to share your faith with others? The Holy Spirit is the river of living water just waiting to burst out from your innermost being and give life to everything around you. The Holy Spirit is not a doctrine that we analyze from a distance. It's like going to the Smithsonian and saying, "Uh, yeah, I see the the, the T-Rex here. The big bones is T-Rex. I understand that. You've never seen that thing in the wild. He is our inheritance. He is the gift. He is our union. Friend, resisting the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life because you've seen error from other Christians. I understand that, but that makes about as much sense as an unbeliever seeing error in the church and resisting salvation. The Holy Spirit wants to transform your life. And I want to pray that some of you receive the fullness now. If you want to come forward, there's a prayer team that can pray with you. I would love to pray for you. Lindsay is here. She can pray for you. But come on, don't miss this opportunity to respond. Even if it doesn't make sense, just say, God, I I just, I know that I want more of you. I don't understand anything this guy just said, but I know that I need you. There's something inside of me that says, yes, I need more of God.